0: Before I begin the lesson this morning, I just wanted to let everybody know that the latest House to House, Heart to Heart is out there, it's this pretty blue one. Uh, Actually, the last two are out there. Um, The title of this one is, Is Baptism Necessary? Objections Considered by Alan Webster, and it is phenomenal. Um, Some of the objections that he covers, as only Alan Webster can, Mark 16, 16 should not be included in the Bible. That's an objection people have, and he answers that. Another objection people have. Baptism is unessential because baptism is not repeated in the second clause of Mark 16 and verse 16. Um, Other objections. Number three, it does not matter what one believes about baptism, only that one believes in Jesus. He answers that objection. Number four, baptism is a work and man cannot be saved by works. He answers that objection. It is baptism in the spirit, not water, that saves. He answers that. Objection six, sinners are saved by faith only, which excludes baptism. And the seventh objection, the thief on the cross was not baptized, so I do not need to be either. Those are objections that he takes care of very well in this. If you do not live in the 74337 zip code, uh, there's a pile of these out there. If you've ever heard uh, any of those... um, Any of those insofar as objections to baptism, um, it's a good study, a good study to have on hand and take with you. Two weeks ago, I preached a sermon entitled, Building God's House, that is his New New Testament church, I can say that. Building God's house requires following God's blueprint. I preached that on Sunday morning, June the 26th. But while God's children are seeking to build his church according to his blueprint, according to his exact specifications in each new generation, they, according to the Bible, also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. While we are seeking to build God's house according to the blueprint he left for us in the New Testament, God is working on us. God is building us as well. So this morning, I'd like to focus in on God's building us into vessels worthy of being in his house, his eternal house in heaven, in a sermon that is entitled Extreme Makeover, Heavenly Edition. Extreme Makeover, Heavenly Edition. Probably all of us have seen some of those DIY, which didn't used to be a phrase, but now it is, Uh, those do-it-yourself TV programs wherein somebody purchases some old, run-down, condemned, dilapidated house or, or maybe you yourself, I know that we have some uh, builders in here, perhaps you yourself have purchased some old, outdated, rundown, dilapidated fixer-upper. Something to renovate, something to upgrade or refurbish or remodel. And maybe it was a house that was damaged damaged by flood or fire or or maybe had mold or termites or perhaps it was simply some old house maybe it was your own house that needed some updates and some upgrades and some design changes over the course of the last few years I've been helping my son in law jr to renovate the old farmhouse over there that, that they live in and <clears throat> Apparently it was quite a chore. He told me in, in 1948, they put electricity in that old farmhouse. Now I want you to think about that. Farmhouse was built with no electricity, no wires, no walls. And it was, It's those old wooden strip, plaster over lathe walls, okay? I mean, strips this big, the, the entire wall, with just the plaster in between. Can you imagine how much fun it must have been running wires down behind that? and put electricity in that old farmhouse in 48. He said that he is convinced, due to the remodeling that we've done and looking at it, that the only way that they got the wires down into the walls on the first floor was to tear up the floors on the second floor. And those are those old hardwood floors, and those nails don't come out easy. To take those old hardwood floors up, put the wires in, and then put the floors back down. It was quite an incredible process to do that. But either way, and and I just want you to kind of draw a visual or picture of that type of remodeling for for this this lesson this morning. Either way, I'd like for you to think about doing an extreme makeover on some old, again, maybe termite-damaged house or, or whatever in this lesson, extreme makeover. What's the first thing that happens? Well. Obviously, once the new owner has has purchased this property, he's going out and, if he's not one himself, going to hire experienced carpenters and contractors and plumbers and electricians and everybody from professional interior and exterior designers to eventually landscapers to, to make this property his own, to make this property what he wants it to be, to make this property what he purchased it you be. to make it more livable, li- yeah, livable, really Doug? To make it more livable, habitable and personally appealing to Him, to better reflect His desires. I think you can see where this is going. I want for us to consider that in light of God having purchased us. You see, we too we were dirty with sin. We were damaged by sin. We were dilapidated and eaten up by the ravages of sin and selfishness, the ravages of sin and the storms of life. We were falling down, falling apart, truly separated from God and unfit for God to live in. We were condemned. We were a condemned property, for we had sinned. But you know what? Despite the fact that we were a condemned house, a broken, falling-down house, Jesus still bought us. Jesus still came. He came and shed his blood to purchase us despite our dirty, broken-down, condemned, sinful condition. And this is outlined in Ephesians 2, and I, and I hope you are there. I, I want you to see this unfold um, in the context of what we've talked about thus far this morning. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, and verse 1, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once, we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, here it comes, but God, who is rich in mercy, God is infinitely rich, not in money, but in mercy. Yes, everything else is his too, but I want us to see that that he purchased us with his mercy. God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, even when we were sinful and condemned and broken down, even then... He made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved and he raised us up together and made us sit in the heavenly places in christ jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in kindness toward us in christ jesus isn't god awesome for by grace you have been saved through faith i want to take just a moment there it doesn't say what some have said it says it doesn't say doesn't say, for by grace alone you have been saved through faith alone. The word alone is not there. It would have to be added the way, the way Satan added the word no to God's commandment in Genesis 3. By grace, that is by God's mercy and grace, through our faith, that is through our trust in God, we have been saved. Not of, oursel- not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. We can't fix the house up good enough for the price God paid for it. God's got to do that. Then it says in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. We are placed in Christ Jesus because God is merciful enough to extend that grace to us. But we, by our faith, have to obey and do what God told us to in order to get into Christ. It's not of any good that we have done. We have simply accepted his grace on his terms and conditions. We have simply accepted his paying for our sins by doing what he told us to do. And when we have faith and trust him and we do it, we are baptized into Christ. And therefore, we are in Christ and then we are his workmanship. You go into this beautiful place that's been renovated and all fixed over and, and the contractors are done and, and everything is just beautiful. It's got that, oh, it's got that new house smell to it, even though it was this, this old, broken down house and, and, and you look around and you think, man, there's some good craftsmanship in here, or, or boy, it must have been a, a really good contractor that you had do that living room, because that is, that is beautiful. Well, God is the one, we are his workmanship. God's workmanship should be seen in our lives. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God had a purpose for purchasing us. And that was that we would do good works. We don't do them to be saved. We do them because God was good enough to save us in the first place. And in our gratitude, we realized he purchased us to do good works. That's that's what it says there in Ephesians chapter 2. The Apostle Peter. Believe me, if anybody would know, Peter would. The Apostle Peter reminds us of that colossal price that God paid for this old rundown building known as Doug Dingley. For all the rest of us, in 1 Peter chapter 1, look at the price. Oh, the price was high. None of us were worth it. 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter tells us the price. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 17, says this, and if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing you were not redeemed, that is purchased or bought back, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, you weren't purchased with something that's going to perish from that aimless conduct. What is that aimless conduct? That aimless conduct is, is the way you used to live for yourself, you used to live for sin, you used to live for Satan, you used, to, you used to live to gratify self, as he already talked about in Ephesians 2. When, when you used that, that was aimless conduct. It didn't get you anywhere. It didn't save you. It didn't, it didn't improve your eternity. In fact, the wages we know of sin is death. But in order to be bought back, that that purchase price that God paid for this old rundown property stained by sin was with the precious, verse 19, blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot, God saw us as priceless. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest or made known in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. You were purchased for that price. Therefore, since you have purified, verse 22, your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. We are born through the seed of the word of God. What that means is, we are born again into Christ, that is, we purify our souls through what the word of God says. See, God told us in his word what we needed to do to accept the price, to have the price accepted, I should say, for our souls. He told us how to take advantage of that grace and mercy. He told us, How to become his and let him become our owner through the word and once we do that once we have purified our souls one of the things that we are purified for is that we might love more sincerely our brothers and sisters amongst other things now we love chapter 1 we love to talk about the purchase price we love to talk about how wonderful it is that Christ gave everything he did for us and, and it is it's beyond worth. It's beyond price. But what we sometimes then either forget or, or maybe neglect is that God's having purchased this sin-ravaged, storm-damaged, condemned property that is us, me, that's just the beginning. If you go out and you pay many times market value for something that is run down and all of that, and you've got plans for this property, oh, you've got plans. You are ready to make this into everything you want it to be, and and you're ready to get started. Listen, purchasing it is just the beginning. It's not the ending. There's a lot of work to do. And brethren, that's what we got to understand about what Peter says next. Peter says, yeah, you were purchased, this condemned old property, you were purchased with the blood of Christ. But now there's work to do. Now it's time for the real work to begin. Chapter 2 and verse 1, let's let's take a look at it. It's time to bring in the proper tools and materials and personnel to perform this extreme makeover, which the owner, that is Jesus, purchased the property, that is us, to undergo in the first place. Look what it says in 1 Peter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice all deceit hypocrisy envy and all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby you know what he's saying that stuff's got to be ripped out it's got to be torn out it's got to go all of that old decaying Sin stains, listen, if you buy that old property and it's just covered with mold, and there's, there's mold down in the, under the floor, you gotta tear that all out. You can't just put new flooring over it and let the mold keep growing. We can't just be in Christ and let the sin keep growing. This stuff's got to be ripped out, torn out. It's, it's gotta come out of there. Get rid of it, he says, desiring the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. This, this ripping and tearing has got to be done if the remodeling is going to become complete. He goes on to say, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You're being built up into something special. You're being built up to something that is is acceptable, that is beautiful, that God intends to build you into. But in order to to build you into that, all this other stuff's got to be ripped out. For those of you that have torn out right to the studs an old house, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes. Time you get into some real messes. That old brown, like dirt insulation from, you know, 100 years ago. It, it just some of the stuff you get into is just amazing. When we become Christians and we start getting down to brass tacks and we start reading the Word of God, notice, notice that the only way you're going to grow, the only way that you're going to, to become what God wants you to be is to desire the pure milk of the Word. That's why Bible study is so important. It's not just it's not just the tearing out, but we've got to realize how important the tearing out is so that we go at it with a vengeance. And, and that blueprint that we're talking about is gonna tell us all of that stuff that's gotta come out and all the new stuff that's gotta go back in. That's why we can't do this without constant Bible study. This purchasing and then remodeling process is something that we see in so many places. We talked a few weeks back in a sermon about Romans 6. Y'all very familiar with Romans 6. Starts out the first five verses with us being baptized. How after we're baptized, after we've been paid for by the blood of Christ and that payment has been accepted, we rise up, this, this new creation, we rise up to walk in newness of life, and we're to get rid of, not let sin reign in our mortal bodies, and we're to get rid of all, our, our we're, we're rid of, of, all of those things that, that we used to do that are, that are sinful, and we are to become more and more holy and, and do the things that pleases God. It's the same process. Colossians chapter 3, if you'll turn there with me, I think this ought to be God's toolbox chapter. Colossians 3, because see, in Colossians 3, we're going to read about some of the tools that God uses to tear out and build back in. I mean, you're not going to get a carpenter or plumber show up at your house or contractor ready to do a day's work and walk in without any tools. They're not going to do it all by hand. They're not going to tear two by sixes in two. It's not going to happen. Okay. They bring tools with them. They bring tools with them to, to make the job beautiful, to make it finished, to make it as easy as possible. And, and God's toolbox here, if I can call it that, in, in context with this morning's sermon, uh, there's so much here. I, I don't have time to, to read the whole thing, but we could certainly see the tearing out in Colossians 3, 5 through 7. Talks about the things that we're to get rid of. Uh, Verse eight and nine tell us more things that we're to get rid of. And we're to be putting on this, this new man as it talks about in, in 10 through 12. So there's a lot of toolbox here, but I wanna, I wanna talk about just the next few verses if you follow along with me in chapter three and verse 12. Therefore is the elect of God, holy and, lo- holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, Weak meekness. Long-suffering. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. You say, Doug, what's that got to do with tools? Come on. Think about it. If nobody ever put you in a situation where you... got angry with them if nobody ever antagonized you if nobody ever disagreed violently with you you'd never have to show the kind of mercy and kindness that you do when somebody does those things is that fair consider it consider it this way if nobody ever wronged you would you ever have to forgive anybody you only forgive when somebody wrongs you, right? I mean, if somebody treats you right all the time, there's nothing to forgive, right? this does not rocket science, okay? But he says, put all these things on. So, so the tools that God uses to rebuild in us those things right there he wants is when we're wronged, that's a tool. When we're wronged, it helps shape and mold us. It is when we have somebody do something that we need to forgive them and we choose to either forgive them or we choose not to. That situation that we're allowed to go through is a tool that God can use. Listen, if God puts you in situations where you have the opportunity to forgive somebody or not, is that a tool that he can use to help you be more forgiving? Sure it is, that's exactly what we're talking about. If we're going to be rebuilt into this beautiful structure that he's talking about right here, if we're gonna be the most tender, the most merciful, the kindest, most humble, meek, patient, forgiving person that God wants us to be. All of those qualities that are so beautiful and look so good in that house that we are as individuals. The only way we're gonna accomplish that is if God puts to work the tools. And part of those tools are allowing us to be in situations where we learn to be more merciful, where we learn how to forgive, how we learn how to love. Those are the tools. How many of you are familiar with, how many of you familiar with an old uh, an old wood plane, not a plane that flies, but you know, whoosh, you know, whoosh, like they used to get an old farmhouse sometimes take the tops and bottoms, of doors off of that old plane, right? And the wood curls up. It's an old hand tool, right? Those work really well when they're when they're sharp and everything. And some of you younger folks that are all power tools, you probably never used one. There's, if you get a nice old uh, plane, I, I had one of my dad's, oh that thing, you know, if you get it oiled up right there, there's just something about that sound to a, to a carburetor, just that, you know, it, but here's the problem with those. Sometimes, the wood doesn't go Sometimes the wood goes You hit a knot, you hit a bad part in the grain, or something that, that's like a knot sticking out, and you can't, you can't go over a knot with a plane. There's a hard spot. Sometimes, when God allows a situation in which we should give forgiveness, that, that tool to help us develop forgiveness, we can be hard-headed like a nod and not do it. And that doesn't allow that tool to work right that, that God put there. So, so these beautiful things here indicate the tools that God uses. We need to thank God, as James says in James 1, 2, and 3, for those times when we're put in a tough spot because those are tools that god uses to teach us to make us more beautiful for his house we continue to read on he says but above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection let the peace of god rule in your hearts to which you are also called in one body be thankful let the word of christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the lord you see The tools that God uses to help beautify us, to help make us more like he wants us to be, is not just the situations he allows us to be in, whereby we develop mercy and love and forgiveness and all those things. Some of the other tools that God uses, he mentions right there. What are they? Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, the word of Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, listen. It is the Word of God that is the main tool that God uses to help us become more beautiful, that He uses to retool us and remake us. So you've got all the circumstances that create those things in verses 12 through 15. Then you've got the Word. Then you've got the wisdom of God. Then you've got as we sing to and encourage one another. Those are all tools that, listen, the person who's gone for a year and doesn't snap on the live stream or never comes to church, they're not allowing God to use the tools. Do you feel encouraged when there's 150 of your brethren singing praise to God when you leave here in the morning? Does that encourage you? I'll tell you what, it encourages me. If you don't think so, you miss a Sunday. If you're laying in a hospital bed or something and you can't even get the live stream, you Man, how do, how, do, how do I live without this? All, I'm seeing heads shaking all over the place. You know what I'm talking about. God uses not only those situations, but God uses the word. He uses the singing. He uses the fellowship. Those are all tools that God uses to help make us into that beautiful house that he wants for us to be, that is fit for him to dwell in. Colossians 3 is very similar to the outline the Apostle Paul delivered back in Ephesians. Come back with me to Ephesians, please. Back in Ephesians, we know what we already read from the first part of Ephesians 2. We know how we read we were dead in our sins. God purchased us by His grace through our faith. And and we know that, that once He has purchased us, as we read about there, that if we continue in the book of Ephesians, we're going to see this same process take place. We're going to see this same remodeling after the purchase process again. Look with me in Ephesians 4, verse 17. It comes to ripping out. He bought us chapter 2, 1 through 11. Now here comes the ripping out. Ephesians 4, 17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Is the world in a mess? Is the world very ungodly? He said, you can't be that. Is the world without Jesus condemned? It is, right? There's a bunch of condemned houses out there. Jesus came to save them all, but there's a bunch of condemned houses out there. And he said, you used to be condemned, and and so I'm saying now that he's bought you chapter 2, You can't stay in that state you were. You can't just sit there as a purchased property without this remodeling taking place. He says in verse 20, he explains it, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. He said, you got to be upgraded. Now's the time. God didn't purchase you to sit there and stay condemned. He didn't He didn't purchase you if you got mold or you've got fire damage or rats or whatever you wanna, whatever you want to put in there because we were all condemned building. He said, God didn't purchase you to stay in that condition at all. You you can't. You gotta put that off and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How do you do that? You do that number one through the word of God. That's why Bible study is so Critical. Listen, that is the main tool that God uses. The main tool that God uses. Every carpenter probably has their favorite tool. Okay. <clears throat> I know one. I think probably his favorite tool is a big, big 12-inch DeWalt chop saw. <laughs> I mean, Tim Taylor on Home Improvement all those years ago. If you don't know what that's about, that's okay. Um, you know, more power. One of those deals, right? God's. Favorite tool God's most effective tool God's main tool That he uses to cut some of that old stuff out. That's got to come to get in there and and carve And to shape and to form and to put new stuff in is the sword of the spirit the word of God We've got to be renewed in our mind by by God's word Not by the preacher's word not by my parents' word, or my kids' word, or my relatives' word, or this one's word, by the word of God then, period. The renewing of our minds, that we might be recreated in true righteousness and holiness. Look what he goes on to say. Therefore, verse 25, putting away, lying. Lying's got to go. Out the door, out the window, like, like these big steel bins that they have outside of houses that are being remodeled and you see all of the, you know, the old insulation and, and the old studs and all that thrown out there. This has gotta be one of those the lion's gotta go. That's gotta go right out in the trash bin. That's, that's how you renovate. He said, put that away. Let each of you speak truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. God knows it's gonna be time to get angry, okay? Don't let it fester. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, but give place nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer. That's got to go. That's got to be ripped out, torn up. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Is it a beautiful thing when somebody goes from being a taker to being a giver? Is that beautiful? For what God wants us to be, somebody that's, that's no longer stealing, but instead they're working with their hands to have something to share. You see how God's beautifying the property? Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. I'm ashamed to say that I used to, well, let me rephrase that. I used to drive a truck on the east coast what I did for a living. And I'm ashamed to say I had a terribly dirty mouth, okay? And I'm so grateful that God came in and tore that out. And then now I get to use my mouth to sing praises to God and to preach his word to anybody who will listen. God has beautified that in Doug Dingley and I am so glad and so grateful it's all God, it's none of Doug. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. That's got to go but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let me tell you some other things, these have got to go. These have no place in that beautiful house God's trying to make us into. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, all malice, that's gonna go right in the garbage. open that door and rip it out Use the sword of the spirit to cut it away, carve it out, get rid of the stain, get rid of it all. Oh, it's got to go. But God is so wonderful to us, he doesn't only tell us what's got to go, he tells us what, okay, now I'm going to show you just how beautiful, I'm going to, what beautiful things I'm going to replace that with. Here he goes, look what he says. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you, therefore be imitators of God as dear children, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for sweet-smelling aroma. Does that sound like a beautiful person right there? Does that sound like a person that would please God? Does that sound like the kind of person that you'd like for a friend? Does it? Or spouse? Or to be yourself? God just wants to make us so beautiful, but some of this other stuff's got to go. Now, I want to take us back for a minute to verse 22 of Ephesians 4. It's interesting to note here that once we have been, Ephesians 4 in verse 22, once we have been saved, once we have been purchased and pardoned, our former conduct, verse 22, does nothing but further corrupt us. That, that's, that's what we got to understand. That's what we miss so often. Former conduct further corrupts us. Easy to remember. Listen, you can be baptized for the forgiveness. You can repent, turn to God, turn your life to God. You can be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You can rise to walk in newness of life, and you can take some of that former conduct with you. You know what's going to happen, don't you? You know what happens when you put a new floor over black mold that you haven't gotten rid of? Do you know what happens to the new floor? It develops black mold. When you simply cover up the stain, but you let it, or, or, or whatever it is, but you let it continue to stay there, you don't give up the, the former, you don't get rid of the former. It's going to continue to corrupt, to stain, to, to destroy. Termites the same thing. You can build a beautiful house. You've got this old house. You buy it. And I mean, it is, uh, the sills are eaten out from under it. Because it's just full of termites. I mean, these termites are everywhere. But you don't do anything about termites. You think, well, I know what I'll do. I'll just build me a beautiful house of wood or on top of it. So you just kind of level everything on that old sill. And you put a new house in. Do you know what's going to happen in about three or four years? Those termites are going to have a, a smorgasbord of new wood. But you haven't accomplished anything. You haven't built anything beautiful. It's still going to come down because the old is still there corrupting. And and then God is saying, get rid of this stuff. The old has got to go. Former conduct does nothing but further corrupt. Another Greek word that's very similar to this idea of being renewed there in verse 23 is a word we're very familiar with. It's It's a Greek word, metamorpho. We know what it means. It means to change, to transform, or to transfigure. Same word is used as we've heard many times in Romans 12, 1 and 2, where we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's the word from which we get metamorphosis, which is the process by which an ugly caterpillar becomes a beautiful butterfly. That's what it means, metamorphosis. It's when a... an ugly... sorry... caterpillar... metamorphosizes into a beautiful butterfly that can fly. God wants to metamorph you. God wants to turn you into something beautiful that can fly from something that is confined to the ground. God wants to transform you, rebuild you, make you better. But he can't if you won't let him. And as you think about that, I want to say this one more time. We were not purchased, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, by the new owner in order to remain in the same old sin-stained, storm-warped, dirty, condemned shape. He bought us to remodel us. God wants to turn each one of us into an appropriate, I I love this, God wants to turn each one of us into an appropriate dwelling place for him. God wants to turn each one of us into his own personal palace. Isn't that awesome? That's that's what's going on here. And the king of kings and the lord of lords is not going to live in a condemned building. He doesn't have to. But he purchased a whole bunch of them to make them into a palace fit for him as the king to live. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it is a lot of work. And, and here's the thing, it's not too much work for God, but sometimes it's a lot of work for us. Let me, let me try to put it in these terms. Imagine you, for a moment, your house. <laughs> your house. Now imagine you're not only a house, you're a living house. Your house out on a piece of property, and you're alive, you can see, you can smell, you can reason, you're quite a house, right? And, and you knew as this living house that you had been purchased at this great cost. You knew that you had a new owner. Satan no longer owned you. You have this incredible new owner, and you were purchased for far more than you were worth. And you woke up on Monday morning as this living house. And you look down your driveway that's overgrown with... Branches and weeds and all of that and, and you look down your driveway and way down the driveway down there You see a bunch of trucks coming. You see trucks that are full of carpenters and contractors and plumbers that are going to come in and they are just going to start tearing stuff out and Beyond that you see even more trucks coming and these trucks contain beautiful new cabinets and beautiful new fixtures and, and beautiful new appliances that that you you've never even conceived of such beautiful things, and you know that those are to go in you. But here's the problem. You know that when those carpenters and those plumbers start getting in there and tearing out, it's gonna hurt. Sawzalls hurt. And you know it's gonna hurt. And you know it's the, you know the carpenters can do it. You know they have the talent, the skill, because the owner who bought you would make sure of that. And he wants to make you into this palace. But you see it coming in your living house, and what do you do? You'll lock your doors, you'll put the shutters up to your own windows, and you put an electric force field all around your house because you just don't want to put up with the remodeling. Brethren, that is the one thing we cannot afford to do. We have got to open our ears and our eyes, our windows, if you will, our ears, our eyes, our hearts, and our minds all the time to the ongoing work that God is trying to do to make us into the beautiful work of art he wants us to be. We've got to open up our doors and windows of the house we are and allow allow God, with the sword of the Spirit, to come in and to to rip out and to cut and to take out the, he's only gonna take out the stuff that would hurt us, right? Is God gonna take out, is God gonna take out the good stuff? No, God's gonna expand the good stuff, but he can't expand the good stuff if we're full of the bad stuff. So he comes in, he tears it out, and we must must be open to that work of remodeling and refinishing and replacing this, this customizing work that God wants to do. Besides the fact that, as the one who was purchased, you don't have the right to shut the doors and lock the windows and throw up the force field. You, you know that, right? You don't have the right to thwart the owner. The scripture says in Romans nine twenty and 21, but indeed, O oh man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? Doesn't the potter have power over the clay? from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor, doesn't God, if God, listen, if you accept Jesus' sacrifice for your sins, if if you allow that price to be paid in heaven, that on God's record book it says paid in full because the blood of Christ has redeemed your sin-stained soul. If God's willing to pay you for that and he's the new owner, doesn't God have the right to work on you? Got to let in. Spiritual sawzalls hurt. But boy, the work is beautiful when it's done by the master craftsman, and it's finished. I want to take you to one final text before we close. Turn with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 3. Extreme makeover, heavenly edition. Hebrews 3. And we'll close with this text. It says, verse five and following, and Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. Now comes what I'm getting to. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope, firm to the end. I know that's talking about the church and all of us, but the church and all of us is made up of each individual one of us, so we can apply it either way. We are his house if we hold fast our confidence and rejoicing and hope, firm to the end. Sometimes we get depressed, frustrated, down, discouraged. Sometimes it doesn't seem like we're growing. Sometimes it doesn't seem like we're becoming everything God wants to be. Sometimes that spiritual sawzall, that sword of the spirit hurts. But here's the thing. We have to, in those times, maintain our hope and our understanding and our confidence and rejoicing that God, who began a good work in us, is continuing it through to see it faithful to the end. Therefore, Hebrews 3, 7, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. I was angry with that generation, and said they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways, so I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest." You see, those people, as we read about in, in the Old Testament, uh, read about the fathers there that he's talking about, they wouldn't take the, 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 the remodeling process. They wouldn't allow god to have his way they wouldn't allow the potter to have his say over the clay and they got tired of god being their lord in in many places and and they turned back and, and by example and extension look what he says to us in hebrews 3 12 and 13 he says beware brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living god in other words don't be like them verse 13 but exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We need to encourage each other while it's today, and I want to encourage you as I close this lesson today. If you're here, and you have never been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, for the forgiveness of your sins, and that alone as scripture says in Acts 2, that's where it begins, that's where the purchase price is accepted, that's where God becomes your owner, Romans chapter six. If you're here today and that sounds strange to you, you've never heard that, we'd love to sit down and have a Bible study with you on it, a straight Bible study, not our opinions, not our perspectives, but what the Bible says. Maybe you're somebody here this morning who's allowed that purchase price to be accepted in heaven for you. You have repented, that is, turned to God, and you've been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. God is now your owner, your your ruler, your master. But somewhere along the line, There's one room in your heart, in your life. There's one area, there's one subject, there's one place, maybe more, but at least one where, sorry God, that one's off limits. Sorry God, I can't allow you in there. You can do the rest of the house, but you can't go in that room. That one's not yours to change. Maybe you need to be strengthened in the process of allowing God to work on you harder and faster to make you more of what he wants you to be sooner. Maybe you need the prayers of the church you might be able to reach out to others more or, or something somewhere in your your life that you're not allowing God to have full reign change you. This morning, if we can help with either of those or in any other way, please let us know by coming to the front as we stand and as we sing.